Yeah, and and you know, not to turn this into an academic podcast or anything like that, but kind of we couldn't if we tried, man. You and me, we couldn't if we tried. Sorry. Speak for yourself, Zach. I'm a scholar. I'm a scholar. Hello and welcome to At the 55, your home for OUA football. Week six is in the books, and we are getting geared up for the final week of the OUA regular season. Nate, what did you think about this week? A lot of blowouts. We are kind of talking about this a little bit before we started, but a bit more intrigue than last week where it was a bit of a, a lull. Ooh, that was a bit of a fun little uh, coincidence there. A bit of a guy. lull. Punny guy. What were your thoughts on this one despite a couple lopsided scores? Uh, we're another week closer to playoffs, right? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, it was it was a bit tough. It was a bit tough, but I think sort of it's nice to kind of the picture becomes clearer and muddier at the same time, kind of. But uh, you know, we full some blows, but also uh, we had got some numbers on the day, some exciting performances. So you know, definitely some highlights. I guess was nice to see uh, on my timeline this weekend. Yeah, yeah, it was uh, it was a highlight reel. Uh, to say the least, for a number of guys out there, uh, we'll start with uh, we'll start with a little who's back because I think this will be a bit of a a fun time for us. Uh, Nate, I'll give you the floor first. Who's back? Fun time for us. Maybe a fun time for you, Zach. All right. <laughs> I, uh, my who's back of the week is Greek mythology. Um, more specifically, the story of Icarus. Uh, you know, guy who flew too close to the sun. Who was flying high the past few weeks? This guy, Nate Hobbs, I was flying high with the picks. I was knocking him dead. And, uh, you know, I guess went for some bold picks this week. Uh, a lot of dogs, Waterloo, U of T, Windsor, and none came through for me. So uh, those are some L's. I'll hold my L. I'm no stranger to L, Zach. Okay, some people know. If you follow my career, you know I'm no stranger to L's. I have. A decent number on my resume so i'm fine holding that and uh you know hopefully i'll finish strong here going to the playoffs so i'll pass it back who's your who's back of the week well my who's back of the week i mean real quick on the l's i mean clearly you not winning yates cups costs people their jobs as we've learned uh over the <laughs> last couple of weeks <laughs> why couldn't you have won some rings there nate what's going on man we'll uh, quickly slide off that one my who's back is the u of t blues in playoff contention, or not contention, in the playoffs. And as we saw yesterday, uh, despite the loss, uh, with York losing as well, UFT is securing a spot in the playoffs for the first time since 1995. Nate, where were you in 1995? Um, uh, not, not on this plane of existence, my friend. <laughs> I was not alive. Well, I was a, a meager two years old, and just to quickly go through a bit of what was going on in the world back in 1995. Uh, some of the top songs from that year. Great, great year for R&B. We have, uh, we have, you know, Gangster's Paradise sitting number one, Coolio. But then we have two uh, songs coming in from TLC, Waterfalls and Creep. A little Kiss from a Rose by Seal. And then some Boys to Men, a little Mariah Carey coming in there. So great year for R&B in there. Uh, top box office, we had Batman Forever, Apollo 13, and Toy Story coming in at number three there. So some good movies coming in as well. And uh, our our prime minister at the time, do you want to take a guess at uh, who was leading our nation when you were, you know, not maybe even a not even maybe a thought in your parents' mind? Do you want to know who are, was leading our our great country then? Well, uh, you know, I mentioned this before we recorded, but I threw out a name, and it was the only name I had, and uh, John Cretchen. That's all. That's all I got as far as old prime ministers go. But ding, ding, ding! You hit it on the head. Uh, so. A lot is a lot has changed. Uh, obviously, more than just that since uh, UFT was in the playoffs, but they are back, and uh, we and will. Ob- I want to. Yeah. I want to shout out actually the uh, the Varsity Blues social media team as well because obviously it was a rough Saturday for the Blues, but you know we'll just kind of slide past that part and we'll just throw up the nice <laughs> playoffs clinched graphics. We'll we'll forget about the score of the weekend, but just just, just remember guys, we clinched the playoffs, okay? Don't don't worry about Saturday or anything like that. Just know we're back. And and then to sort of piggyback off that in a, in a kind of funny reverse fashion, we had a situation where Laurier picks up a really nice win, uh which we'll obviously get to 
and their social media as well highlighting that they secured the playoffs, except in that case, not quite sure if they secured the playoffs. We'll get to that. Well, we might not get to that on this pod. We'll probably take a more. I think we're going to take more of a look at that on our week seven prediction episode. Um, but we'll transition into uh, giving out a little uh, some recognition for some of the offensive players of the week um, or in our just players of the week in general. <sighs> you know, this is tough because uh, <laughs> there were so many great performances uh, bound to happen when you see some of these scores come out. Um, you know, the first guy I want to highlight, and we'll probably go a little bit off script here and maybe hand out a couple extras, uh, a couple extra awards, is uh, Ante Agavon for the Laurier Golden Hawks. I mean, what a day for him. 10 receptions, 222 yards, and two TDs. Uh, you know, w- talked about buying a little Connor Carousello stock coming into this one. Uh, and, uh, you know, he wasn't necessarily outstanding, but... You know, Ente certainly made him look pretty good on the day. Um, who do you want to hand out a little hardware to for this week? Well, uh, you know, you look at big performances and uh, it's hard to kind of miss the uh, the Guelph offense there. So, I mean, we're going to throw out a couple names. First and foremost, you know, Sean Law, um, obviously career highs on the day, 25 of 32. That's pretty darn efficient. 394 yards, four tugs, a couple of picks, but uh, yeah, that's bound to happen sometimes. Okay. And, uh, but uh, sliding down to really um, sort of the two big threats for that offense, big days oh, as yeah. well for Keandre Smith and Clark Barnes. Um, Smith, 12 catches, 175 yards, two tugs. Clark Barnes, eight catches, 119 three tugs goodness gracious uh did i sell my guelph offense stock last <laughs> week zach <laughs> we'll have to go back to the tape and check in on that one but uh however you cut it a, you know a really great outing for that offense um and you know before we move over to defense you know you're probably listening to the saying uh yeah did you guys watch western do what they did to waterloo yes yes we did uh, it, I mean, it pretty much goes without saying at this point. Um, and, and also, did you see what Rasheed Tucker did on the Thursday game against Ottawa? Yes, we, we saw that too. And at this point, it seems like, especially with the direction Waterloo's been going in, that, you know, it, Offensive Player of the Year, MVP, OU, like that, all that kind of stuff it might come down to these two running backs from Water, uh, pardon me, from Western and from uh, from. Uh, Queens. It might, it might, I'm going to say it will be. I'll it, say it will be. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, just to reiterate the numbers, Keon finished with just, goodness, I'm refreshing my browser just to make sure that this isn't just like an error. 20 carries, 237 yards for three TDs and a long of 97, averaging 11.9. Um, stupid numbers. It honestly, it makes the Rashid Tucker line of 24 carries, 106 yards and three TDs kind of look a little pedestrian in comparison. Um, but I mean, I, I guess maybe Keon was hearing us give all the accolades to, uh, to Queens and to, to little tuck over there. And it was like, you know, eh, don't forget about me here. So not, great day for all. So not so fast. Indeed. Uh, let's slide over to the defensive side of the ball. Who did you like uh, this week? Uh, so I'm going to go over to one of the shutouts on the day. I feel, I think that's appropriate. That feels uh, appropriate. So I'm going to the Guelph defense, obviously shutting out, uh, the blues offense. And, uh, I'm going to give it to Justin Lozon four total tackles on the day, but two sacks, a forced fumble, as well as a fumble recovery. So getting it done with the turnovers on the day, who you got Zach? Uh, you know, despite there being some other shutouts, uh, I'm going to give mine to a guy who played in one of the non-shutouts, um, but did not uh, doesn't do a disservice to his uh, performance at all. Mr. Tommy Bringy, linebacker for the Golden Hawks, he's been outstanding all year and throughout his career. Seven uh, seven tackles, but a forced fumble and an INT, and just a couple hits that you know you could kind of feel watching through your uh, computer screen uh i'm sure in person you could probably hear some of those hits so you know he's just he's been the heart of that defense they obviously have a ton of other guys on that defense that we talked a lot about um ao had a terrific uh week for them um 
Cutter Coppin had another great outing for them, but uh, it, it feels like Bringy's kind of the he feels kind of like the heartbeat of that defense, and it's a it's a hell of a defense to say the least uh, for a Lorie team that is really picking up steam at the perfect time, which makes sense since they just got their quarterback back. So maybe this is all just making sense. Um, we'll slide over to our special teams. Uh, I, I went with a bit of the uh, the easy pick here, uh, not that it wasn't uh, deserving, but you know when, when you get a guy returning a a kickoff or a punt for a touchdown it's always gonna make the job of deciding who gets your special teams player of the week a little easy so i'm giving it to jackson cooling uh finished with 151 uh punt yard punt return yards on the day including the uh, 62 yard uh touchdown return that he had in max big win against the lions who are you liking for the special teams I'm going to slide over. I always have to have a Gale Zach, I guess. So, you know, I'm going to slide over the Queens game. And I'm going to go with uh, Nick Liberatore. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the Ottawa offense scored 12 points on the day. Nick Liberatore also scored 12 points on the day, matching that total from the GGs by himself. They don't even need Rashid Tucker. <laughs> no. No, they're good. He's three for three on field goals. Three for three on extra points. You do the math. That's 12 points. That's pretty darn good. Yeah. No, that's uh, a, a really strong outing for Nick as well there. Um, and that'll transition us well into our first game, which, of course, is your GG's. T- wow, what a slip of the tongue there. Your Gales. My apologies, my friend. Dismantling the GG's. Do we need to... Die? Hey, we're not going to cut it. We'll just move on. We'll just keep on chugging along here. Um, so we had your Queen's Golden Gales taking out the Ottawa GG's 30-12. to 12. This is our Thursday night game. Uh, we had the line set plus 10.5 for Ottawa. So they were safely... Uh, Queen's was safely ahead on that one. Just looking at some of the numbers real quick. We obviously talked about Rashid in the backfield for them. You mentioned what Liberatore did. James Keenan, 13 for 26. No TDs, no interceptions. Uh, you know, it, 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 business business yeah. as usual. Business yeah. Easy. You know, I'll, I'll, I'll start off real quick um, on hand the floor to you. Before I hand the floor to you, um, the, the note I made sort of watching this game is that Queens is kind of at this point now, a bit of rare, not rare fighter, that's a bit of an over-exaggeration, but they're at that stage where when you're watching teams play them, because Ottawa gave them, like, this was a really competitive game through almost three full quarters, but Queens is at this point where it's hard to, where the, the, the comment you make watching is, like, you just can't make mistakes against them. You know, for years, that was always when you watch Westerns, like, hey, if you want to beat them, you like, you can't beat yourself, and that's an obvious thing to say, but there are obviously... You know, games, and we've seen them this year where teams, you know, do a number to shoot themselves in the foot and can still come out with games. Queens is at a point now that if you are making mistakes, you are not going to win games against them. They are such a well oiled machine at this point. Um, and it's just business as usual. I, I'll hand the floor to you. What, what were you thinking watching this one? Well, I mean, you make that Western connection and. Don't forget who the Queens head coach is now, former Western guard, <laughs> Steve Snyder. So, you know, you kind of look at that offense and kind of the philosophy. There. Now, I would say the defense is probably a bit different from Western's, definitely kind of the stuff that Coach Beckmanis does. But as far as the offense and sort of how they roll and that kind of thing, very Western esque i guess uh, some gales faithful might be throwing up or something hearing that <laughs> coming out of my mouth but i mean really um definitely some similarities to draw there and that's i mean it's not the worst comparison to have in the world if we're, you know you're looking at sort of uh success in the oua but you're bang on and it, it's definitely uh hard like all these teams in the East definitely have been mistake prone. Um, so it's hard to see <laughs> them not continue to continue to eat over the next coming weeks. It, and it, that makes me I have, I have one point I want to make on that before I get to that, you know, just to kind of look at some of the performances by, uh, you know, some of the GGs. Uh, so like you said it was, it was competitive through pretty much three quarters until I think it was I think it, it was three consecutive drives where the GGs turned the ball over in some fashion 
that ended the third, started the fourth, and it was just it was just snowballed from then. But you know, we saw JP Simmonkinda return for the GGs and had a really strong outing: sixteen carries, one hundred fourteen yards, um, and uh, and and one touchdown as well. Um, on the defensive side for them, a guy that you know, it's it, it's sometimes hard to. And especially for uh, a former offensive lineman and myself, um, highlight uh, defensive back play, um, particularly if it's not, um, you know, guys getting picks because that's you know a little easier to see. But uh, Kevin Victome for Ottawa um, has just he, he's been great all year long, and you could really see in this one. I mean, just you know, I, I'm not gonna try and pretend like I, I I know anything about defensive back coverage, but I mean, this guy is on his man through and through on that like he is in their hip pocket. Um, he just sticks to those guys. So, you know, really great outings for them. Luke Grease had a good outing as well. But, uh, you know, to your point, though, about the East kind of, you know, having a lot of teams that the the Gales will probably be able to and, and have already been able to sort of capitalize on mistakes and things like that. Does that worry you at all? You know, they obviously they locked up the home field advantage for that Yates if they um, do what I think most people expect them to be able to do now and run the East and, and get to that point. And not to say that, you know, any of Carlton, Ottawa, and, or Toronto can't give them a bit of a scare in the playoffs. You never know. Or, but do you worry at all? The, the, the kind of like, well, if you're not really challenged before you have to, say, take on a Western or Guelph or whomever comes out of the West, does that cross your mind at all? Yeah. So it's tempting to say that, you know, we should just envision Queens kind of skipping their way through the East to the Ace Cup final. And I think... It scares me kind of being so confident, but I mean, looking at the teams in the East, it's it would be absolutely be shocking to see them lose before making it to the eighth cup and sort of you talk about tests and obviously, I guess, you know, you want to argue the biggest one from the West was Guelph. And other than that, it really hasn't been too crazy since week one against Carlton for them. Right. So uh, I definitely agree. It's a good point because like coming off opponents like Ottawa and Carlton with their backup quarterback and then having to run into Western and we see what kind of what they've been doing lately. It's mm-hmm. a whole another beast altogether. So um, I definitely agree that it's concerning, but yeah, I mean, if you're a Gale, I mean, shoot, I'm, I'm a Gales fan. I'm, I'm happy we're here. You know what I mean? This is all, it's all gravy for me. We're, we got a young team, you know, and uh, we'll cross that bridge when we get there, but let's, Let's get there first. All right, guys. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, probably the, the best thing for uh, Gales fans out there is just don't overthink it. Enjoy the ride, kind of as you're saying. And, you know, on, on the piece about being tested, we've definitely seen and that Guelph game, probably the best example of it, their, their offense be tested. Um, and even going back to, you know, that, that opening game against Carlton, you know, final score of 18 to six. So obviously we hadn't seen Queens's offense really uh, break out to what we uh, grew to see them be able to do. And then, yeah, going back to that Guelph game as well, the, the 14 to eight final in that one. So it'll be really interesting to see. I mean, their defense has obviously been spectacular all year long, probably would, you know, if you were going to like, you know, gun to my head, pick like which unit of theirs is, is the best. It probably is that, Hmm. Yeah, I, I give the nod to the defense. Um, but you know, it'll be interesting if you know, w- you know, if they do take on a Western, who obviously has this juggernaut uh, offense from what it looks like so far, uh, how that defense will hold up against that. Uh, any last thoughts on this one before we move over to our Saturday games, Mister Nate? Nah, let's go over to the next game. Well, let's put it to bed then, uh, and we'll move over. First game uh, on the docket, we have the McMaster Marauders rolling into Toronto and rolling over the York Lions on their homecoming, no less, final score in this one. The McMaster Marauders, 48, the York Lions, 0. You will be hearing us repeat that exact same final score in a couple of games, and it is not an accident. As we said, there were some... Or not a mistake, there were some big blowouts this week. Uh, we had in the uh, prop on this one, or not the prop, sorry, we had the betting line, York plus eight and a half. That's obviously, uh, you know, I, I think all the bets we put out, um, if you took the the favorite, uh, the favorites won in all of them, but we might have set the lines too low because just, well, as we've said a few times, just uh, uh, <laughs> a We bit, play uh, nice, Zach. We play nice, okay? <laughs> <laughs> we, exactly. We're for the people here. We're not Vegas. Um, so, okay. Uh, so this secured the, well, 
I think there was some possibility coming off of the uh, Argo Cup with York losing against Toronto that there was still a possibility that if they beat Mac, beat Toronto Week 7, that depending on how the chips fell, they could have still snuck in. This, of course, puts any hope of York making the playoffs uh, firmly to bed. Um, Let's start on the York side just to kind of cover it and uh be done with it bird uh, watch bird watch bird <gasps> watch bird watch indeed uh the crow versus the crane uh we saw noah craney started off for uh york and uh not too long after we saw brady crow come in uh as our resident quarterback uh, what did you think between seeing these two i mean really like for my money <laughs> Which, much like my uh, my defensive back uh, takes, my quarterback takes aren't, aren't uh, the most spectacular. But you know, really, n- neither guy seemed to really shine on the day. I mean, the numbers clearly bear that out. Did you get a sense seeing a, a you know, albeit a small sample size of both these guys in this game, like we've seen now, in, or in conjunction with that Laurier game where we saw them both uh, get reps? Uh, what are your takes, sort of comparing these two cues? Yeah, I mean, I definitely agree with you in the fact that uh, the numbers are abysmal. That's just a fact. Um, you know, it's hard to kind of talk about creating in this game. He only threw four passes on the day. Um, and kind of looking at Crow's line, 7 of 24, that's a lot of incompletions. But um, I can say, like, it looked decent in the first half. The game was pretty close early on, and it likely should have been three nothing Mac for a long time, but um, York had, had a snap go off the long snappers' uh, buttocks <laughs> in their own red zone, and Mac scored a touchdown off that. Uh, so it was ten nothing for a while. Could have been three nothing for quite a while in this game. Um, we saw Noah Crane step out quite early. Um, Brady Court, like I honestly, I, if I'm being dead honest, it looked pretty good early and kind of approaching halftime like I was it was decent you know making some good throws the ball's coming out on time um but it seemed like obviously the Mac defense is no real place to want to get your quarterback career started in this league (laughs) so I have some sympathy for him there but um a couple really bad drops um for York as well kind of really hurt him but i it really that second half it was they really couldn't get anything going but uh to begin it wasn't bad i mean they got one game left i imagine there'll be some mixture of the two going forward and you know uft's defense is a max defense so maybe uh they'll have some more luck next week yeah well let's certainly hope so uh, cause it's really, you know, I, I will, we'll move off of them cause it's just really not that much to say. It feels like the same story with York week in week out now where, you know, defense did, did a good job. You know, they were able to get after Duick uh, a few times. They forced a couple turnovers. Um, Avante McCoy has really come on strong of late. Uh, whoever's coaching up those running backs that you were clearly doing a good job there. Um, you know, and you mentioned a few drops, but you know, still, you know, I feel like once again, week after week, it's, you have to acknowledge that they do have a lot of skilled, a lot of talent in the skill position guys there. So, you know, I guess this is uh, where you say it can only get better. I guess is that is that too uh, is that too uh, dismal a thought to put on this team? I mean, just it it, it, it I don't I don't know. Maybe it could uh, get worse. it's 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 cl- it's clearly not it's clearly not York's year, and I'm sure <laughs> kind of losing Brett Hunchak, you can kind of talk your way into saying, well, it was always going to be this way for us this year, anyways, and we'll continue to move forward. And like I said, there are some bright spots, so it is what it is. And yeah, hopefully finish off the season strong. Yeah, no doubt. But let's move over to Mac because Mac has been uh, maybe befuddling. Befuddling, yeah. Alongside with Windsor, maybe the most confusing team we've had this year, but maybe Windsor's, I don't know. We won't talk about Windsor just yet. Um, Yeah, befuddling, great word. Um, Duick obviously uh, bounced back off of that uh, performance against Laurier, 25 for 32, three TDs, 
one interception, 252 yards. Um, but you know what? What really stands out to me, and, and as we said, you know, York does have a really good, uh, really solid defense. That D line in particular it was very strong. But you know, Mac just really hasn't been able to get the run game going this year. And you know, you add that on to the fact that in the last two weeks, their quarterbacks have been sacked like something like oh. 14 times, I think, you know, and, you know, I talk about not knowing much about quarterbacks, not knowing much about defensive backs, you know, played a little offensive line myself. And, you know, it can be tough to judge because, you know, sometimes it is just the defensive line, you know, having a, a standout performance. And as we said, York's got a good D-line. Laurie's got a good D-line. But it really feels like, you know, when you add on the fact they've had trouble getting that running game going, that that offensive line is just a bit of a weak spot for them on the offensive side of the ball. Um, and, you know, kind of like we said with, um, you know, with York, their skilled position guys. I mean, obviously, we saw Liam Putt with the hat trick, three TDs on the day. Xander tachinski has been a guy for them for a few years now who's been good. Um, you know, Jackson Cooling, we obviously saw what he did in the return game as well. And, of course, Justice Allen, uh, a, a sort of dual threat RB where, you know, you can hit him in the in the, get him in the pass game as well. Um, so, you know, that's the that's the thing for me where, I, you know, where it's kind of making sense where, oh, you know, the talent's there, like the, a lot of the uh familiar faces from that 2019 championship team um but it, it, you know i i hate calling out offensive line groups and and i so i do this reservedly but i feel like that is where a bit of the the weak spot has been for them i mean obviously we uh jacob zott for them is now playing for the uh, ottawa red blacks who was on that championship o-line for them so obviously losing a guy of his caliber and i think a few other guys graduated from that but how do you feel coming off this win for for mac does it instill any more confidence for you do you, are they still befuddling what uh, what's going on well i'll tell you what doesn't feel good being a podcast partner with the Judas over here calling a fellow <laughs> lineman. What's up with that? Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I agree. I think it's a really good point kind of bringing that up. And, you know, we've obviously seen the limitations of this team kind of in the past weeks, but we also see a lot of good things as well. And even in that Windsor game, you know, I, I keep bringing this up. They still put up 500 yards of offense. You know what I mean? Like there's still tons of potential for this team. I still would not be surprised at all to see them in a West final against Western, for example. Um, but really it's, you know, you have sort of one team that's left in your way in Guelph and yes, the game's at home, but, but, but. that defense is a bad matchup for what's been going on with Mac. And uh, yeah, I'm <laughs> definitely a bit concerned for them next week. I'm I'm more than a bit concerned. Not to spoil our preview for that, I, I'm genuinely worried about what Guelph might do to Andreas Duick. I'm very. I, we need to make sure that there, there there are people nearby on the sideline. You know, if things get out of hand there. But sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, no, yeah, like you're bang on, and it's uh, yeah. I'm, well, I don't want to say I feel differently, but it, I mean. For Mac, it's going to come down to them. Are you still able to generate kind of if it's not running the ball? You still need to be able to do easy stuff because, I mean, the reality is when they've gotten trouble, it's when they've been in the second and long um, in these situations. So whether it's running game or something else, I mean, you have to figure out ways to get, you know, easy plays going and kind of get the offense rolling. So I, I think with or without a running game, there's a way for them to go forward, especially given all the talent at the skill positions. But uh, yeah, they got one week left to figure that out. So, yeah. And, and you know, as you said, you know, I, if, you know, if, if we see them in the, in a West final, would I be super surprised? No, but you know, if there's a number of scenarios where they don't even make the playoffs and, I guess I wouldn't be too, too surprised if that happened either. I mean, that kind of reflects my answer to the question you posed to me going into this week, where how surprised would I have been if York won? Um, obviously, given the outcome, the, my, my sheer hesitation in saying that I would be surprised uh, clearly uh, <laughs> you know, shows a bit of, a, you know, play my hand in that one. But it, it, I think more just speaks to yeah, as we said, this MAC team is a team I was I was really high on going in uh, on them going into this game uh, into this year, um, and yeah, they just very confusing team. So let, let's put that one to bed. Uh, like we said, uh, MAC, you know, 
show us what you got against Guelph. We'll, we'll get into that one, obviously, in our preview pod. Hello there, friends. Sorry to interrupt what I'm sure was some great OUA football talk, but I just want to remind you super quick that if you want to help support our brand and in the process support Stella's Place, you can always visit our website at the55.ca, visit the store, and get yourself hooked up with some of our great gear. We still have masks, hats, and our dry fit t-shirts. So at the55.ca slash store is the place to be to get all that. And as we said, it not only supports us, but it helps out Stella's Place, the non-for-profit that helps young people deal with their mental health by providing a number of resources and really reinforcing the importance of peer support and community. So we're all about helping them out. You can also visit their website, www.stellasplace.ca to find out more about them. But at the 55.ca is the place to be for our merch that, as we said, supports Stella's Place as well. Back to the conversation. Um, but let's move over to, yikes, uh, <laughs> Western Waterloo. Um, this was our pick for game of the week. Uh, I think I said something to the effect that I had been looking forward to this game uh, since the schedule had come out. You mentioned in talking about Queens, you know, Coach Snyder and part of that Western coaching tree. Uh, we obviously see that coaching tree expand on uh, or has expanded out to other teams uh, with Coach Bertoia here in, in, in Waterloo taking on his old team, Trey Ford. I mean, it had been Trey Ford first merchant for all those years. And going into this year, you know, Western was a bit of a question mark with, you know, who's going to be the quarterback. You have either a rookie in Evan Hillock, who's been just tremendous since he's taken over, or the vet in Jackson White, who's been on the team now for a couple of years. But transfer rules, da 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 how is the, you know, all these things. Um, and then, of course, comparing that with Waterloo being like, well, this juggernaut offense, a lot of playmakers on defense. Um well, I don't even think I've said the final score on this one yet. Final score, Western 48, Waterloo 13. This was in Waterloo. Uh, this, man, oh, man. It's uh, it's it's disappointing to say the least. Because um, I think we talked about this on, on last week's uh, episode. This now puts Waterloo in a position where, at best, the Trey Ford era Waterloo Warriors ends up, at best, with a 500 record during his tenure as a starter. <laughs> can I can I can I pose a question to you, Zach, to pose start this off? Please. I, think I saw on Twitter today, uh, Coach Bertoya tweets something to the effect of, I'm not quoting him directly here, but something to the effect of that they've underachieved this year. Obviously, they still have the chance to um, kind of, I don't necessarily change the notion, but still save their season, but that they've underachieved. Do you honestly believe that is a fact at this point in time? Do you think they've underachieved or is this kind of situation with them playing for their lives here in that tough West conference? Should we have kind of expected this? Um, no, I would still, you know, cause I mean, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to remove like what we've seen from them through okay, the year. I'll just uh, straight up strip. Have they underachieved? Yes. No, I, I no, I will say, cause like I said, it's, it's, it's easy to like, now that we've seen it be like, oh shoot, were we kind of like Mac? Maybe we were too high on them to start with. But to me, I think it's, it's only fair to really judge. Like, what did we think of them going into the year? Like what, like did they underachieve based on that expectation? Um, and you know, I still don't really get it. Cause like, I mean, we know Ternowski's gone, you know, we know Dion Pellerin's gone, a uh, couple guys on that defense who had graduated, but it's just like, you go through this roster and and, just, and obviously with number five leading the way and and then you know talking about offensive line play, I really like their offensive line and they returned a lot of veteran guys who've been playing together and that's like as important as it comes down to for offensive line is just having guys who like know each other who, who you know know their calls who just have that sense of like oh you know when you move I like all these just little things that that make great O lines and so I just really don't get it I just don't get it Nate I mean I I, I and so kind of to your point about underachieving, as I was saying, like, I, I don't I, I think, yes, they underachieved when I think about what I thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. But even now watching them, I, like, I just don't I don't get it. I don't I don't understand. Uh, you know, as we said, Keon Edwards ran all over them. I'll repeat the line. 20 carries, 237 yards, three touchdowns. You know, they they they, they gave really it should have been four touchdowns. Uh, oh, 
should have been. But, you know, they, they handed it off to uh, Wanadi on the one-yard line, I think it was, to give him a touchdown. Still no Trey Humes. Haven't figured out what his situation is uh, on the day. Um, but, you know, it, we've seen Keon do this all year long, um, whether to this extent or something a bit you know, lesser because Humes was also putting up numbers. But um, as far as Evan Hillock, now we're seeing him second week in a row starting. Um, man, he, he he certainly doesn't look like a rookie quarterback, you know, and obviously he had a year in the system. So probably just helped him that comfortability with the guys and whatever. But like, you know, if, if you were to flipping through these games and just kind of be like, who do you think is, or in just like, what year do you think some of these quarterbacks are in? Like, you're not saying that guy is second year at school, first year starting. Like, this, just the poise is just incredible. And obviously that speaks to him having a very good offensive line and skill position too. But what are your Hillock thoughts now, two weeks into his uh, uh, starting career? I mean, you're bang on. It's hard to have kind of, how can you watch kind of what he's done and have any kind of other opinion? Um, and obviously it helps, you know, if I read correctly, uh, you know, having a couple of St. Thomas Moore high school coaches on my Twitter feed, I believe Hillock and Magnet Jones are both grads of that school. I think they're, I know I Hillock I is saw. for sure. I, I, Hillock definitely. I didn't know. I don't know about Magnet though. Magnet Jones. Yeah. I thought maybe I saw a tweet. Maybe I didn't, but I mean, just, he looks comfortable. They obviously have built, um, some kind of rapport there um you know obviously he's got time in the pocket but even the arm strength i mean the one deep pass to you know magnate jones i mean he's really for a second year kid uh, his arms just as good as it's up there in the league like he can make all the throws there's no question about it um i mean the next step for him i guess is some a little bit better touch on his throws because this really it could have been worse it could have been worse there are a couple of close throws that he sort of missed and the scary thing is like that's absolutely going to come in time with this kid. So it, like to have this only be his first year of eligibility, I am. Uh, if you're a Western fan, be happy, man, because I'm I'm concerned for kind of the rest of the league uh, going forward with this, with how this is shaping up. Man. Yeah, you know, obviously with them losing Merchant, uh, you know, going into this year is obviously a bit of a you know how how are they going to perform? Is it going to be a bit of a down year for them and? You know, I, I guess uh, if if assuming they win out uh, and and you know beat beat Windsor to finish five one, I guess you could call it a bit of a down year. That oh, they they lost a game this year in the regular season compared with other years. Uh, you know, may, so maybe that maybe that was the drop in performance that they they just they 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 took one game to kind of get their stuff together. Um, and, and you mentioned Magnate Jones, and obviously he's had a great year for them, not just at receiver, but. Uh, returning the ball as well but it just like I mean the, the biggest name that still sticks out that just makes me laugh is the fact that like Brett Ellerman still had this like very just modest season for them yet like you know he's still such a threat you know they got Campbell they got Nixon and you know th- their defense as well has been really strong we've obviously mentioned uh, Deontay Knight a few times this year at defensive end and the performance that he's had uh, the return of Kojo O'Doom last week for them at corner but then also just guys like, you know, Daniel Valente uh, for them at safety, a veteran guy's been in that system, probably, you know, one of the better just safeties uh, in the league. You know, talking with a couple with, with a, a Mustang player a couple weeks ago uh, that I ran into on campus, you know, just like his knowledge. He, he's essentially a coach on the field. Um, you know, mentioned Brandon Murphy, who transferred from Guelph, being there, uh, you know, Nick Terrio, just it's man it's talk about a well-rounded team and you know also on the point of how will certain new players fill the the gap left by others i mean obviously merchant was the big one um but we also saw a pretty uh story to kicker leave their program uh after their last season but uh mr brian garrett he's been pretty solid for them so far in the year kicking as well which as we know uh coming down the stretch and moving in towards playoff football um you know, you're going to need a solid guy there uh, booting those balls for you. So it's just whatever questions we may have had about this team going into this year and even at stages in the early part, they all look to have been fairly well resolved. Um, man, I just, you know, we'll get to Guelph very quickly, but that's looking like a, a rematch that could be 
could be very fun with what we've seen on that defense. But any last thoughts on this one before we move on, my friend? Uh, I can confirm that, yeah, Magnate Jones is, in fact, the St. Thomas Moore grad. So him and Hill, that's kind of the the St. Thomas Moore connection there. Uh, it'll be exciting to watch them continue that over the years. No doubt. And memory so like i don't think hillock like lost a game when he was at stm like 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 anyways clearly a bit of a powerhouse there in the hamilton area but let's move on to our next game just mentioned guelph briefly in that and we have the griffins who dismantled the uft blues in guelph final score 48 to nothing that's three games in a row with uh, a team putting up 48 points in victory um Guelph minus five and a half on this one and the points. Clearly, they went over. This was the only prop line that we set for this week, um, which was how many quarterbacks would take the field for Guelph. We set that at two and a half to see would we get the full stock of guys out there. And and we did. But I think if you are Coach Sheehan or any, you know, anyone on that team, it is for, you know, you know, in the early go when we were seeing a lot of QBs had that it, it felt like they were trying to figure it out. In this one, it was, all right, Lol's the guy. You know, they brought in Rose for a couple short yards. Things actually looked like he got a little dinged up. And then Casadi uh, at the end when it was all done but the crying. So, you know, it, it, I think we it was a bit of a, you know, poking a little fun at Guelph when we set that prop. But, you know, I don't think anyone is dis- – like the way that they had three quarterbacks play in this game was nothing but uh, positive for them. Uh, what were your thoughts on this one? I mean, it's, I guess, really good for kind of the competition in the West to kind of see these guys get going. And, you know, I guess maybe after last week, it kind of felt like, ah, uh, here we go. You know, West is just going to roll in the West. Let's kind of speed things up. Let's skip ahead. But hold on, not so fast. You know, you kind of see Guelph turn it on here and and have a great game offensively. And obviously, we've kind of seen the potential from Smith and Barnes in kind of previous games, but really to have kind of law be much more consistent and kind of throw it all together uh you know it was really impressive and uh will they have this much success against mac next week i struggle to see that happening but but it's important that they at least continue to be good because um you know that guelph defense is going to be able to do uh, a bang-up job you know if when they reach western or anyone similar so uh, if this offense continues on this sort of track, then uh, they got a real shot to kind of end up in that Yates Cup final. Yeah, no, you're spot on there. And, you know, as you're saying, like with the performances by Barnes and with Smith, I mean, obviously we saw and, you know, at this point we should all know what a threat Barnes is in the return game. I, I mean, Keandre, uh, even before uh, Barnes got there, w- was balling for them, returning kicks and everything. And you kind of see that sometimes it looks like the the way that they look to take advantage of those guys just in the offense is like get these guys the ball with space to operate. And there was you know, what, what did Barnes have along of is he had the one long uh reception for 41 yeah 41 and you know if you kind of missed the first part of that like if you actually didn't see the snap and then the pass and you just saw Barnes with the ball in his hands it looks like he's returning it you know he's juking left and right like such an evasive guy and you know the the running back situation for Guelph is is very interesting I mean Kwame Ose did the bulk of the, the carrying for them finishing with 80 yards 12 carries but you know Guys coming out of the woodwork here that you know, I'm you know, despite my 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 uh, Guelph alumni status, like not completely plugged in with everyone, but you know, Teo Jean Gaston uh, with three carries, thirty one yards for them. Craig, I'm gonna say your name wrong. I'm sorry. Uh, Shering, uh, you know, twenty six yards. You know, uh, other familiar names in there. Juwan Jeffrey as well. But like you know, and obviously some just a product of sometimes obviously facing a, a team and. The defense in particular that uh you know is is not a strong point but you know quite a bit of depth to this Guelph team and and the talent at the top end is really starting to shine as well so uh kind of like we were saying with uh like with Western and, and with a few teams with Laurier as well uh that we'll get to really starting to come together at you know the, the the you know the key point and, and maybe this just makes sense where you know in a regular OUA season we're you know, the nine week season, eight games where, you know, this probably is that point in the season where, you know, you had enough reps and obviously coming off the COVID shortened year. Maybe this is just making sense that the question marks that we've had for these teams have just slowly but surely been resolved. Um, 
moving over to the UFT side, though, um, because we will be seeing these guys for at least two more outings because they finish off against York and then whomever they face uh, in their first round playoff game. Um, you know, not not a great outing for Clay and the and the Bird Gang. I mean, obviously against that Guelph defense caused everyone troubles, but you know, kind of from what we've seen from them, and obviously we'll get one more showing from them uh, against York, but. You know, York not going to pose the same type of caliber of challenge that uh, UFT will be facing come playoff time. For, basing off of what we saw today, uh, yesterday, what kind of thoughts are you having about how this UFT team's looking, once again, kind of looking a week ahead in a matchup against, say, Queens, or, you know, we'll see how that shakes out. How, do, you, do you feel like they're kind of are pieces starting to come together for them at all? I mean, obviously it's been a bit of a rough year for them, but what kind of, as you, as your eyes searchingly look for some kind of response to that. Well, you said based on this week, I mean, based on this week, it's not good. Fair, <laughs> it's not yeah. good. But, you know, I like this game. Maybe I'm reaching a bit here, but I had the potential to be close early on. UFT kind of had a couple good drives. Um, you know, the two lol picks kind of allowed them to hang in the game for a bit. And it was kind of theirs for the taking, moved the ball a little bit. But um, once they kind of got behind the offense, just, you know, gets to a point where, you know, you have to devolve and kind of drop back pass and drop back pass. And against the team like Guelph, I mean, you just, you're not really going to have much of a chance doing that. They're going to tee off on you, right? Um, so I think, you know, they ran a ball a little bit today, but still – too many times second and long, you know, for this team. And it's just got to make it a bit easier on yourself because there are times like the degree of difficulty, like it just, maybe it's just a Guelph defense, but it, it whatever is, is happening downfield, it just looks like it's maybe is a bit too long developing or a bit too difficult. And maybe things just need to be a little simplified a little bit um, kind of going forward. And hopefully York can, I mean, I don't. I can't even call York a get right game because York held them like 140 yards of offense last time too. So uh, definitely still a challenge in their own right. Um, yeah. And I'm speaking of me, the guy who made the big claim that Queens has the best shot against Queens in the East. I mean, uh, I I don't know if I'm right anymore um, based off of this game, but um still the talent there still the guys um just gotta clean some stuff up and, and get after it again i still got hope for these guys and you know they have the ability so i hope they're able to kind of put some things together next week and uh you know maybe roll the richardson with some confidence well, let me ask you one last thing before we move off this one, then, as just a quarterback. What is the rule on, because, you know, we said Clay, not a great outing for him. What's the rule on as far as making a highlight tape? In, like, as because there was a number of times where Clay was doing just, like, pulling out, like, Houdini act after Houdini act, escaping just mounds of pressure, um, you know, all day long. And, you no, know, not always converting on the back end of it, which, you know, totally fair because he probably ran, like, 20 yards just to escape all that. What's the rule on, like, a guy putting just highlights of himself escaping pressure, even if it doesn't turn into a completed pass or picking up yards on the ground? Is that is that to is that kosher, like, to throw that into the tape? Or is that, nah. Not my style, Zach, but uh, I've seen it been done. I've seen it been done. <laughs> I'm not going to judge anyone for doing that because I – uh, I mean, playing the position, I obviously know how hard it can be for a quarterback sometimes. So I, this is a judgment-free zone as far as I'm concerned. But for me personally, I would leave it up. I got enough highlights of some other good stuff going on. So I think <laughs> I think Clay does too, for the record. So. Well, I, yeah, I feel like that's the equivalent in basketball of like when someone makes a crazy assist or a crazy pass, but then it doesn't actually become an assist because the shot or the dunk doesn't go in where it's like... Or uh, or you drop some of the crossover and then you I, cut to the next play. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, so we'll put that one to bed and move over to our final game of the week. We had the Laurier Golden Hawks taking out Windsor in Laurier. Final score, 33-8 to for the Golden Hawks. Uh, Laurier minus 2.5 on the spread on that one. Um 
you know, as we kind of said, bit of the storyline this week across the board is teams really starting to come together at the right point. Um, Carousello two weeks now back off of injury, um, you know, and definitely a much better performance for him. Uh, the week prior, obviously, we saw, um, you know, what his uh, wideouts were able to help him out with. We mentioned what Ente did, uh, Ben McAlpine, a very strong outing as well. Quentin Scott, a name that I have not heard for them or really known much about at running back, making a lot of noise for them as well. Um, you know, with 86 yards on the ground, Kevin Wong, Tanner Nelms also having good games on the ground, names that we're more familiar with there. Um, and I'm sure we'll get to their defense again because we've talked about them a number of times. But how are you feeling about Laurier at this point now? Kind of with uh, where we've seen the season, as we said, it, it, it probably does makes sense that you know first week against york and then the connor goes down and then you know that i mean is a bit of a how do we really judge this team does it feel like we have a is it is it fair to make a judgment about them now and and what judgment would you be making about them well i mean we got to make a judgment at some point right (laughs) (laughs) we're one week away for the playoff uh but i think i think the quinn scott piece is really big um uh, no disrespect to Tanner Nelms, but not the most explosive running back. Let's say he's no Lavondre Gordon. That doesn't. He's obviously still a, a quite a good player, but sort of adding another dimension to that running game, I think, is really important. Um, the numbers are pretty good from a passing standpoint, but but this big day for Ente Egwavon kind of has me a little bit concerned. Kyra um, Carousello, two hundred and fifty yards. Ah, uh, 220 of those yards coming from Egavon. That is, I mean, that's great and all, but I mean, that is concerning because great, obviously point. that it's not a, it's not a very kind of diverse what's going on. And if you're a team and I just know that it's, it's, you know, I'm not saying it's one guy, but if I have, if I think if I could shut down this one guy, then that'll take away, you know, 90% of their passing attack. Then while, I know exactly what I'm going to do. And uh, yeah, they're trending in the right direction as a whole, but I'm still not really convinced with this offense. And I, you know, enough to get in the playoffs. Sure. I'll be really interested to see how they do against Waterloo next week, but not enough there for me to be a true contender. No, that's that's a really good point. Um, you know, Romy Simpson is is a guy for them at wideout who uh, has had a really good career for them. A bit of an underwhelming season on the whole. Um, so you know, and obviously we saw McAlpine have a good uh, good outing as well. Um, but no, that's a really good point. And um, you know, man, talking about that matchup, and we won't we won't step on it too much because obviously that'll be a, a big piece for our week seven preview pod. But you know, it just that game that game could be that game could be so frustrating because it feels like these two teams if you actually go to that battle of waterloo point where waterloo pretty handedly beat laurier in laurier at laurier even though you know it's not much of a home and away situation left for either team when the stadiums are you know 10 minutes apart it feels though from like that moment it's kind of been like two ships passing in the night where it's like, oh, actually now Waterloo's going down and Laurie's coming up. So if if Waterloo actually comes out and, you know, does uh, does uh, has a similar performance against them that they did uh, in that first outing, that's going to really throw a wrench into the equation. But, you know, as you, you mentioned, like, yeah, the, the a nice added element with Quentin Scott in there um, to sort of uh, diversify their options in, in, in the in the on the offensive side of the ball. Um I mean, I don't, I don't really know if I have too much else I want to say about the defense that we haven't already said again. I mean, I'm just repeating the same names that we talk about every week. I mean, uh, actually, one thing I'll say that was really, really cool, I don't know if you caught this on the broadcast, they were mentioning that uh, the defensive lineman, uh, Luke Brubacher, who uh, we've definitely seen him have a bit of a, uh, a good year for them. I think they were saying it was like, this is his first year playing football. He was a former like amateur boxer, and he reached out to Michael Falls. was like, I guess he was going to the school or whatever, and he's like, hey, play a little football so shout out to uh brubacher uh it's kind of neat story there um on the windsor side of it um you know this this isn't the nail in the coffin for them for their season and obviously uh you know it's normally you reserve the term bounce back 
for when a team wins coming off a loss, but given how that Western game went for them, it's a bit of a bounce back, I guess, to say the least. Um, is this bearing out the uh, the point that we made that, you know, obviously is was absurd to say the least, but that there's just that magnetic force field around alumni field in, in, in Windsor, the golden arches, the proximity to the border, like whatever we threw out. It's just like, yeah, it fucking sucks to travel to Windsor. And then especially where teams are now doing all game day of traveling, that it makes it even worse. And that that's just like a really good home field advantage. Um, is that, does that seem like where this is going? I mean, David Adenarin, um, you know, 68 yards on the ground, no touchdowns. I mean, he's had a really strong year for them. Um, Gerard, not a really impressive outing on the day. What are we thinking about this team? Cause they, they're not done Their Their, their goose is not cooked. You know, we might not think, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> we'll get to the Western game. When we technically, talk about <laughs> technically, technically, I don't know what. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it's simple. You got, I mean, you see the Windsor broadcast, you got the McDonald's in the background, you know, the opposing players, they just, ah, oh, they just smell those fries. It just smells so good. I want to go after the game, get some junior chickens. Got, nah, I mean, it's, yeah, I could, there's, I played some weird games at Windsor um, during my career. Um, but I, I, you know, this is still like, for me, it's for me, it's done. I mean, look, I mean, look who they're playing. It's Western. It's not like this game doesn't matter for Western. This is still a very mm-hmm. important game for Western. Okay, if they lose, they can finish second in the con- in their uh, division, right? It's, it still matters. They're not just going there and throwing all in all the backups in and that kind of thing. Um, so you know, I don't see it. But that's not to say there still isn't a a good year for Windsor. Let's be honest with kind of, uh, you want to talk about Waterloo and what we thought at the beginning of the year, we didn't think these guys were going to win the game. And I don't think a lot of people thought that either. So this like, it's still a positive guys. Uh, you know, Windsor gives us a lot of crap, but you know, we're still happy for you guys. The program is moving in the right direction. Get some more recruits in there. You're doing a bang up job. We're happy to see the improvement, but uh, you know, hopefully you can improve some more on that next year. Cause uh I, I don't see it. I don't I do not see it kind of them kind of making their playoff dreams come true next week. Yeah, no, I know. I, I think that's uh, I think that's fairly accurate. And um, yeah, it's I mean, there's a lot, a lot to be able to from the coaching recruiting standpoint from this year that you can sell to recruits about, you know, the direction this team's going on. It'll obviously be interesting to see, uh, you know, it will. I, I, confident we'll be seeing uh sam gerard's last game at qb for them next week i mean barring you know whether they get into the playoffs or not i mean well i guess actually there is a scenario where they could actually play a home playoff game in a really weird situation but let's assume that it'll be let's assume it'll be the last time he at least plays uh, a game in windsor um so obviously as we talked about with a number of teams having to replace veteran quarterbacks that's obviously a big challenge but the just as yeah the uh, the status of the program as a whole definitely took uh, a step forward this year Cercelli has been you know uh, a gr- a great addition to that team um as the head man there and yeah they're they're in the right direction and i remember we had coach Cercelli on the show before the season and he was mentioning too like they really had a push for you know, promoting their academics, which once again, a great recruiting tool, something like, I think something like 20 academic, all Canadians in 2019. Obviously we won't know what that number looks like this year for a little while, but just, you know, just other, just, you know, those little pieces that sometimes we look past where it's like, no, 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 if you're a developing program, you need those things. You need to be able to sell these to parents and guardians and, and players trying to, you know, determine where they're going to go for the next four to five years. And, uh, you know, a term that we, uh, you know, we heard when we were talking with Mac guys in the off season walkthrough tour a couple of years ago is making that, you know, not just for four year decision, but a 40 year decision, like where's a place that's putting you um, that's going to put you in success for the rest of your life. And, uh, you know, it's there. It's, it's building. It's a work in progress. And it was a it's a been it's been a great year for them. Yeah. And, and, you know, not to turn this into an academic podcast or anything like that, but kind of, we couldn't if we <laughs> tried, man, you and me, we couldn't if we tried. Sorry. Speak for yourself, Zach. I'm a scholar. I'm a scholar. (laughs) But I think like you talk about that piece of academic all Canadians and yeah, it speaks to sort of what the program's able to foster, but it also talks about the infrastructure. Like, you know, I'm sure that's not just kind of because 
oh, they're all the most amazing students. I mean, maybe they are, but I would imagine that's because they have some kind of structure in place, whether it be a study hall, that kind of thing. And, you know, those things and having those programs are really kind of a signal to, you know, operating effectively as a program. So as a whole, right. So kind of, you know, that's a good sign that obviously this is sort of becoming a well-run operation there. And I yeah, absolutely agree that, you know, maybe talking about Stockwatch, maybe we're thinking, uh, you know, get a long-term buy, a long-term buy rating for the Windsor Lancers. There you go. And uh, so that'll, that'll, pro- that'll wrap it up for us on our, our six, our week six review pod here. It, we're going to save the, the talk about playoff seed and all that for the week seven review. Uh, like always, look to get that one Thursday morning. And don't forget, we have another Thursday night game. It's the, uh, I, I guess they're not calling it the Panda game part two, but it's the rematch of Ottawa Carlton. So don't forget about that one. And then a beautiful slate of games on Saturday with just, I mean, my head's still spinning from trying to do some of the calculations that you'll hear us talk about on our, our review pod and uh, and much more. So, you know, as always, you know, make sure you are following us on social media at the 55 Podcast, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Hit up the website at the55.ca. Buy some merch, support the brand, support Stella's place in the process as well. You can't lose uh with uh you can't lose with that type of a proposition there so we'll talk to you later on this week at the 55.